All right, I have no idea what the NBA refereeing controversy is, so I'm going to lead in with the Tim Peel part, and then we can get into the big conversation, and then I'll just learn it from you guys. Cool? Hello, welcome to Hattrick. My name is Jordan Dallar-Coltman. I am joined, as always, by my brother, Braden Dallar-Coltman. We have a very special third wheel this week, because we're going to talk about a very special off-topic, something we haven't talked about yet this season. Christian Steck is our guest. Welcome, Christian. How are you? And welcome to the show. Ah, thank you so much for having me, Jordan. I'm doing well. This is going to be fun. Like I said off the top, we're going to talk about something a little bit different. This is going to be an all-basketball edition of Hattrick. We are going to sprinkle just a little bit of hockey into the third topic because it's sort of a bigger sport-wide, <laughs> non almost basketball. Yeah, almost completely basketball. We're going to just we'll get a little bit of other sports in there because our third topic is going to get into something that's a little more sports in general but that's okay the first two topics are 100 percent hardcore basketball hoops uh both professional and as they like to call amateurism in the ncaa we'll talk about both of those let's get right to it uh but Braden, before we do that we launched our brand new podcast on this feed um are you excited for uh the race that's about to take place this podcast will be out after it so it's kind of yes before that i'm absolutely i'm very excited and you well, reminded do- me that the that the race is a little bit later which means that i have yeah make sure you set that pvr to- correctly you're gonna miss it um do you want to just do a real quick plug here in the intro for our other show yes check out the, the pit stop podcast uh presented by hatrick sports and the ordinary podcasting network you can find it uh in the feed for hatrick sports uh we've, we're talking everything f1 uh, including how terrifying Lawrence Stroll is. Braden is absolutely petrified of Lawrence Stroll. All right, that's I need Let's get... to see a picture of this guy. That's he looks right. like a Bond villain. There's no other way about he it. Now, he now owns the Aston Martin brand, which is even better. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. Here's Hattrick for this week. Okay, topic one this week. Um, because I have Christian on the show, because Braden himself is an admitted um, diehard basketball fan, we wanted to spend some time talking about basketball. Uh, we're going to start professionally. We're going to start in the NBA. We're just past the trade deadline. We're, we finished their ridiculous all-star weekend. We're into the home stretch here as the NBA turns its corner towards the playoffs and teams start to figure out whether or not they have what it takes to compete this year. Um, so we're just going to sort of talk about the season in general, but I wanted to start off. The trade deadline came and went. Kyle Lowry stayed. Christian, maybe what were your first impressions of what the Raptors did and did not do at the trade deadline? Uh, we'll start there. Uh, well, it's not necessarily about what they did or didn't do. More so, I feel like what they uh, were capable of. Um Kyle Lowry's contract, I don't know what's given this year, somewhere around the 30 million. It was a lot of money to move. And I think that they're honestly, we kept talking a lot. Oh, he's going to go to Philly. Oh, maybe he's going to Miami. Now the uh, Lakers are in talks. Maybe he could swing there. But when you looked at each respective team, and I know that what Toronto wanted at the end of the day, which was at least a decent enough return. That's always an issue when you're moving a star player. You know, you move a dollar for what four quarters, it never really adds up. And uh, I mean, Kyle Lowry, you know, he's 35 now. Um, he's still bringing it, uh, which is great. And he's done a lot for the Raptors, you know, franchise. But when you think about the future moving ahead, um, it's really important to get assets and get them while the opportunity is there. And it's just unfortunate, but I I don't think you can really blame Toronto because like I said, their options are really limited. 
Um, Philly was probably the most eager that would have swung a deal. And then when George Hill became available, that just shut the door like right away. I mean, Braden pretty much sent me a message as soon as George Hill was announced that he was going to Philly. He's like, all right, well, I guess we're out. Well, I, I mean, the, Laker, the Lakers would seem like the ones that really wanted Lowry too, but they just don't have any assets. There's nothing that they no, could do to no. make, make that trade happen. Like Horton Tucker? Like, is that the best that you're going to get? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Kuzma? So, I don't know. So the, the Raptors did make one deal, uh, one big deal, I should say. They made a couple smaller deals, a couple guys in and out. But really, the Norm Powell one was the headliner. He goes to Portland. He has a chance to at least compete a little bit there with Dame Lillard. Um, any other big um, headlines for, for you, Braden, coming out of the trade deadline when you just look league-wide? Um, teams that got uh, a lot better or teams that just didn't do enough? Well, I'd say Denver Nuggets got a lot better there, adding Aaron Gordon to their front or their, uh, their front court. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed in Christian's pride, which is the Boston Celtics and what they did. <laughs> what, signing Evan Fournier? What does that do? How does that Well, happen? it's going to help their shooting a little bit. But a little bit. I, this is a big issue right now is especially uh, – so we had two guys, LaMarcus Aldridge and Andre Drummond, big men, power forward, centers, however you want to look at it. And this is a big desire in the market right now. Every team or probably like at least 80% of the league could use a big guy like that, the power forward position, number four. Everybody wants it. And, uh, you know, it's just – uh, our, 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 my Celtics are not not doing any better than the Raptors right now. To be quite frank no, with you, no. but yeah, Denver's really good. I think I think the Norman Powell trade really improved what Portland's oh, got going there. Absolutely, uh, third third option for kind of consistent shooting. Yeah. You know, they they need to playmakers other than Lillard and and McCollum. And yeah, I mean they got a lot more depth. The West is like very competitive, um, so it helps their chances. But all that to say. Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets added, they added, who they added? Marcus Aldridge in the buyout market. Like, yeah. they're looking like a and, 2K all-star team right now. And, and they traded for Blake Griffin. Or, well, they didn't trade for Blake Griffin. They just got him. Yeah, they just, they, they just got him. They really, <laughs> they really are the team, though, aren't they? If, oh, if you man. were putting money down today, they, they look like the favorites, right? Yeah, if you live in Brooklyn, they're the favorites. If you live anywhere else and cheer for any other team in the NBA, you are hoping that this team falls out in the first round because this but is it's just, not going to happen. Well, I know, but you've got to look at like the way in which these con the contracts go, the way in which teams are built. Like this is kind of ridiculous. It is. It is ridiculous, and it also feels a little bit. Like, I don't know, some of these players have been kind of scorned and it's almost like a big, big middle finger. I feel like a lot of ways this Brooklyn team looking at the rest of the league, you know, a lot of these guys, they're, they've been outcasts. You look at Harden, um, you know, in his tenure in Houston, you look yeah, at Blake Griffin, he signs a contract extension, he gets kicked out of, the, you know, the Clippers, goes to Detroit, um, you know, uh, uh, DeAndre Jordan, you know, in the Clippers too, that tenure didn't go well. And Kevin Durant never felt like he got his just desserts after he won his championships. Um, you know, Kyrie Irving feels like he's kind of rejected from, you know, the rest of the NBA right now, and especially the media. Like all these guys that feel like they've got, you know, a point to prove. Uh, but it's just unfortunate. Like Stephen A said it perfectly. I saw this tonight and he made the claim is like, what? Like, are you guys just going to buy the championship? <laughs> that's just it right three guys go to miami lebron bosch and wade and everyone freaks out like this is oh my god this is I it this hated is that team too and this is yeah. just like like on a you know steroids a strong word 
I, I, <laughs> I, I was I was in Miami. I was in Florida during those times. I saw those guys run those Miami Heat jerseys, and I was not not too happy about it. Let me let's just say that. Oh boy. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it there. That's topic one. Topic two this week is brought to us by Busy Bee Vegan. Are you feeling hungry? Busy Bee Vegan is a plant-based meal prep service offering pre-made, delicious, and healthy plant-based meals to the greater Toronto area. Whether you're curious about plant-based vegan eating, looking to improve your overall health and wellness, or simply too busy to cook, Busy Bee is for you. Their plans are focused on eating clean without sacrificing taste and contributing to a healthy planet. They have made it super simple. Choose and order your meals from the multiple plans they offer, and they will deliver your meals in environmentally friendly compostable containers right to your door. You can find them on Instagram at Busy Bee Vegan Meals or on Facebook at Busy Bee Vegan. Go check out a small local business in Toronto and save the hassle of COVID grocery shopping and cooking. Let the Busy Bees feed you buzz worthy meals. Okay, topic two this week. We're going to stick with basketball. We're going to move to uh, the NCAA tournament March Madness and a weird Woo. tournament this year because we didn't have a tournament last year due to COVID. So there was a lot of um attention given and a lot of excitement around this year's return um but i think we could all probably agree it's been a weird tournament covid and probably a big factor in that we'll get we'll get into that a little bit but um maybe we'll just start off with this and it's really this simple hey uh christian how busted is your bracket it's so busted man so busted uh i i will say i have gonzaga uh going to win it all um i think a lot of people pick this and for good reason gonzaga went 26 no in the regular season you know they've got i could i couldn't name off the top of my head but i bet you there's about six players there um you know that are incredibly elite they've been around to you know together for a long time uh i think there's uh sugs and I think another, maybe two guys that are potentially going to be in the NBA. Um, so there's a lot of promise there. But, I mean, you look at these 15-seeded teams, 12-seeded. We just saw today Oregon State um, ended up making it to the lead eight uh, with their win um, over uh, – who would they uh, – Over Loyola. Oh, my, Loyola. My uh, Cinderella story that came crashing into an end. We're, we're just crazy. You know, Loyola comes in as an ace or whatever in their particular bracket and when you looked at the Ken Palm stats they were like rated in the top 10 in the whole entire you know team of 64 um so even how this bracket kind of got arranged was a little bit I mean the NCAA is always like that it's not very consistent well and you gotta land somewhere right yeah that's true in the standings but I gotta I gotta say so this was my thought that I had recently when I'm looking at this and I should have thought this in hindsight when I picked my bracket Mm -hmm. is that because we didn't have any fans like, I know, like, you know, typically when this tournament happens, there's like regional sections when it starts. Um, I've been to Indianapolis and I've seen it when you talk about Purdue, Butler, all of these teams, like they're not too far away from each other. And when they do these regional tournaments, like the, the school comes, you know, the band comes, the, the students that are there, they're, right. they're, they're screaming off the top of their lungs. And we didn't have any of that. Madness. Exactly. And, and it makes me think like in a way that you know, some of these teams, Oral Roberts, a clear example of this 15 seated team, you know, it's a very small school kind of excluded from, you know, the whole hysteria of basketball and March Madness in general. And they made such a deep run. Unfortunately, they lost tonight. Um, 
But you think a team like that in a given year in March Madness, you may not see, or as at least as many teams like that make it as far um, in the tournament. And I think because of COVID and not having those fans there, it kind of evens out the playing field a little bit. Mm. You know, you know the funniest, funniest thing I saw when I was trying to see like what's okay, what's changed, what's different in the way that they're doing this. You know, because they do, I think they do have a, a certain percentage maybe of fans up in the top crowd, or oh, maybe yeah. not at all. I don't know, but Depending they spread where. out the bench. I don't know if you've seen this, Jordan, but when the guys come off, say like a guy, you know, one of their best players has played a good twenty minutes, and he comes off and his his seat is like 10 rows up he's got to walk all the way up just to sit down yeah, like I, I can't remember what city that is but yeah it's the one arena there you have to sit all the way up in the stands it's just it looks ridiculous. hilarious i think one of the other interesting storylines that came out of this year's tournament was the another great example of the inequity between the women's and men's tournament i'm sure we all saw those oh, tweets yeah. and the and the tiktok videos that some of the women and reporters were reporting from the the women's tournament the women's side of the tournament where they had like what they called the fitness center and it was like a yoga mat and some dumbbells and you contrast that to the men's side of the tournament which has always been you know like very unevenly facility. supported and it just it you know of course three days later the ncaa had instantly found enough equipment to fill the women's room but yeah. you know the original argument they made was you know well there wasn't there wasn't enough space for more equipment well there seems to be enough space now that you've been called out for it um the but it just re- yeah the whole every thing. single Big year space. this tournament comes up it it really f- continues to to demonstrate the flaws in the NCAA system, I think, and the idea that, you know, we have these, again, amateur, quote unquote, athletes, as they like to to brand them, who are, in many cases, you know, these these people who have come athletes who have come from situations where they they have no family resources and support financially while they're going to school all they have is the you know the basketball program and how many of them are actually ever going to make it out of there to be professional nba or wmba players and yet the money that is spent on this tournament both by people who watch it and support it but also just like the sponsorship amount of money that the ncaa and those schools are profiting off of these unpaid athletes back is just again you know it's always a storyline so it is kind of cool too like the, like you said this year to see some of the smaller schools getting the attention it would just be nice if those smaller schools were given the opportunity to have their athletes treated the way everybody else was you know what i mean absolutely yeah no of course and you had pretty much in all the right points about the ncaa it's a constant reminder of uh the inequities that go on um and and exactly right the profitability on it i mean and it's so transparent like we know the millions of dollars that they're making and and like and how much issue it was last year when they had to cancel march madness i mean there was conversations that were happening all the time so yeah well and and i think the other interesting piece just to finish this up about that is what's nice is that the athletes i think more and more are becoming um empowered to speak up and to to fight for this in a way that a decade ago we just weren't seeing. They were so muzzled and so sort of stamped down with the fear of losing their scholarships and all those things. But I think the way social media, TikTok, Instagram, the ability for these women in this case to like basically just put this evidence out there for the world and and hold the NCAA accountable to sort of like social justice in a way that wasn't there a decade ago uh, has really 
empowered the athletes to stand up for themselves. And I think that's where the change can come from. And so then eventually we can get back to this tournament being just about the basketball, which is what the NCAA wants. But it, it the basketball has to be right now the catalyst, like it, you know, like all sports are. It's just another great example of that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. So just quickly before we do end, who was your pick in the who, who's going to win this uh, tournament? I have Gonzaga as well. But I always have guns on yeah, yeah. pretty much every year I put them down there because it's like the the only the only NCAA team for who, whom I have apparel is Gonzaga. Therefore, it's your four. And that's my team. <laughs> yeah. every year. That's, that's hey. me with the Oilers. And a lot of a lot of Canadians go through Gonzaga, too. Right. So right. Canada, oh, if close. they win, I look like a lifelong fan because I have the hat. If they lose, <laughs> I, can, I can always just wear a different hat. So. All right, topic three this week is the one that I teased off the top is a little bit of a cross-sport conversation because what we want to talk about is referees. And there are referees in basketball, there's referees in hockey, there's referees in football, there's umpires in baseball, there's line judges in tennis. Um, I guess they're called umpires too, actually, chair umpires. Anyway, point being, there's officials in all major sports because somebody has to manage the game, right? Somebody has to call the penalties or the fouls or whatever, call strikes and balls. Somebody has to be the outsider, uh, no, not affiliated with either team, only affiliated uh, through the league, but with no self-interest, only worrying about the presence of what the game is that's the idyllic idea of what a referee official or umpire is supposed to be well unfortunately this week we had a a, an unfortunate incident in the nhl that has brought into bigger conversations about officiating uh refereeing um game management i'm obviously talking right now about tim peel the longtime veteran referee in the nhl who was caught on a hot mic at a nashville predators game his mic was live on the broadcast as they went to commercial he had some uh, uh colorful language but the gist of what he said was that he had tried to just call a penalty and he had intended to call that penalty because he wanted to get a penalty against Nashville early in the game to set the tone. This is the kind of thing that as fans, we have always uh, complained about suggesting that it's happening, but never had this blatant clear evidence of the fact that it's there. Now, this is a very big and complicated conversation because we have to remember referees are human beings. They are fallible. We know full well about evidence of, you know, referees being um, caught up in bribery and cheating scandals. There was an NBA referee recently who was fired after they found out he was part of a betting ring trying to fix games. This isn't new to sports, but it's new to the conversation and or sort of back in the in the conversation. So I, I thought we'd start with that. What were your first thoughts, Braden, when you heard about the Tim Peel thing? Maybe you heard, the, heard that he'd had this uh, hot mic and then an, uh, subsequently been fired. Yeah, oh, I mean, uh, this is the first time that uh i think we have been able to i mean it's funny we we talked a little while ago about the cfl and how much there was uh an issue with bringing mics into the game and you know the fact that this is now part of the game you know that tim peel's been in the league for a very long time so you know that it's it's we can't assume that this hasn't happened before but the truth is like this can't this can't happen this is the issue um when it comes to when it comes to officiating and the and the trouble is you know we're starting to see officiating taking over the game and 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 deciding things that you know 
I was, we were both referees growing up in, in minor hockey. The main thing they teach you is you can't call something you don't see. So the whole notion that they're, you know, that there's makeup calls or they're, they're trying to set the tone. It's that's, that's terrible. That's terrible for the game that that's, that that's in there and that that's in there at the highest level, I think is even worse. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's unfortunate, but not surprising. Um, I think like, you made that point, Jordan, a lot of us, you know, either as fans fear that conversation um, all the time of, of manipulation. Uh, and, you know, it goes into that conversation too, with like technology and, and technology having that sharper accountability with, um, you know, various different cameras on, you know, confirming whether or not those, penalties happened or not and it's tricky though I think it's a bit of a fine line um and I may use this as a bit of a segue where I talk about with the NBA um mm -hmm. you know it's the referee's job it's about trying to make the best calls they possibly can the right call um and but not dictating that call that could turn out the um result of the game per se, you know, you really don't want to happen. It's a horrible feeling as a fan, especially like the team that you're rooting for when the game ends and the causation of whoever say won that game was based on a ref call. I mean, you see this in basketball all the time and it's really frustrating, but the point I wanted to segue to was that I think it's a fine line between, you know, there is human error um, and the refs trying to get the play right, but also keeping a certain fluidity. And I know it's a little bit easier in hockey kind of once the puck drops, um, but in basketball, you know, this is a really apparent issue the last five minutes of the game. Like I could tell you, Jordan, about two weeks ago, I think I watched it was a Pelicans game. It might've been against the Raptors. I'm not sure, but literally that last five minutes of the game probably took at least a half hour, maybe 45 minutes. And that's insane. Like, how are you, you get so much hype in any sport when it's like the last five minutes of the game, and I don't know, in hockey, you're down by a goal and you like pull your goalie and there's all of this pressure. And then it's like every like 12 seconds, we're going to stop the play because we have to review something yeah. or, you know, there's a huge moment in a game and then you instead have to sit and wait like 10 minutes. So you're checking in with like that front office to make sure you got the play right. Um, I don't know. I've just, I've heard a lot of different podcasters, a lot of different sport casters in various different sports. And this has been something that's prevalent in various different sports yeah. right now. And well, it's interesting. It's interesting because I think that it, both of you touched on a couple of things that I think go both ways. The, the challenge is we obviously, we all kind of knew this was happening. Like it's kind of obvious that there's instances of the referees trying to manage the game. As I said, you know, that's sort of the, the kosher way of saying makeup calls and calling balanced and even fair, but also about like trying to keep the game moving forward. I, I remember listening to an interview with a retired NFL referee and he was talking about how he's like, if I called at every penalty I saw, the game would be seven hours long because on every yeah, single play, yeah. there's pass interference on every single play. There's holding by the, by totally. the line, every single play, there's a penalty. The truth is they have to make judgment calls based on the egregiousness of the penalty. And that's the unfortunate part is we've put these again, human beings in a position to fail because one or the other side is going to love or hate every decision they make, right? There's no penalty that you ever have called against your team that you're happy is called. Some penalties you can see, yep, clearly he just slapped the guy in the face. That's a penalty. There's certain plays though where it's 
it, it, it hurts your team and you, you get frustrated. So I think the difficulty is as long as we have human beings doing these jobs, even with the aid of technology, which is definitely a bigger problem right now, I think, in basketball than in hockey, because they're not allowing uh, the every single penalty to be reviewed in hockey, right? The only um, penalty that gets reviewed is, is goaltender interference, which is, again, a, a bit more complicated play. But if, a, if, mm -hmm. if there's a trip called or a high stick called or a cross check called, it's the referee's word. That's the end of the conversation. Players may argue, referees or and coaches may get into arguments, but that's the end of the the discussion. But it's definitely different when you do add that that you know the the camera tells a very different story when you slow the play down and you watch it in in slow motion. The truth is, these referees see it in real time from angles the cameras are not on the ice or on the court. You know, and they they make. And I I think we have to give them the benefit of that. They make the best judgment calls they can most of the time this Tim but if Peel that's thing, the case the yeah. tim peel thing is unfortunate because it it does show that they make oh you know they are admitting that the dirty little secret we all kind of knew was true is present the question is just how much <laughs> how present is it and then we have to decide how much uh how much we're willing to live with that i guess is where we're yeah. at yeah i mean with the with the technology coming into it like we're still it still feels like we haven't figured it out is it the ref's call or is you know if a, the ball went off of a guy's hand the ref said it was that you know it's going this direction why are we going back to the prompter to make sure that we've got that yeah. right if the official's making that call that's you know then, let, then let's do that and if not then do we need you know in-person officials or are we just going to go with like it's well, a much bigger conversation, I think, mm -hmm. and and each sport is trying to figure that out. Let, and and let me just say, thing. like every sport is different, it, right? Yeah, totally. And and it'd be an interesting argument to see, like maybe within the next five to ten years. I'm not sure how long, but when I think about word sport, baseball in particular, and umpires, you know, there's been so much conversations of we have the camera technology available, yeah. we could just use that, and like the person, the umpire sitting behind the plate could be you know uh, extinct you know at that point and yeah. and then if that happens the other sports in comparison to baseball and seeing the legitimacy okay we're going to go fully ai in terms of monitoring this game to show the truth and if the game is being done fairly and whatever the result of that game is now if they do that and after a couple seasons the nhl the nba the nfl starts to look at that and what kind of conversations are we having then like i guess you know i know we're over time but i think what's true is you're right. It, it Then it becomes very sport specific because in baseball, a strike is a strike based on very strict guidelines of where the ball is thrown based on the height and size of where the batter is standing, right? The strike zone doesn't, uh, it, it's scientifically sound. The struggle here is that in all these other sports, especially something like hockey or even basketball, where you have that many people in that smallest space and, and fouls or penalties are taken at very fast and complicated speeds with bodies in the way and all these different things. There has to be judgment calls about what is just sort of part of the play, whose hand it was. How many times have we even seen real human being referees call high sticking when the guy's own stick came up and hit him because the two sticks went up at the same time, right? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. that's the yeah. foul. The, but the but you're telling me a computer is going to be able to identify that, or we then get into the opposite side of it where every single foul is called and. Honestly, yep. if 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 we want to get to a place where every single penalty that's taken is called, it's going to so degrade the quality and Definitely. the speed and the fluidity of all of the favorite sports we have that I think we could really, to watch that. 
we'd be well, doing. Well, I think that's what we're talking about with basketball is that that is what's now happening is that even though we have these refs, the game at the end, like the last 30 seconds of a game ends up being 30 minutes just to, just to figure out, you know, it kills all momentum. It kills. Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. go to another Who commercial. Wants to watch that. Who wants yeah. to watch that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys. Well, this yeah. was a lot of fun. Thank you, uh, Christian, for joining us. I really appreciate it. We're going to have to have you back for some more basketball talk soon as we get closer to the playoffs. But uh, but thanks for being our third wheel this week. That sounds great, Jordan. Yeah, thank you so much. And thanks for the great conversations. Fun topics today. All right. Thanks for listening. This has been <laughs> Hattrick. That's Hattrick. There you go. That's good. That's what I usually say. <laughs> That's what you usually say. That's Hattrick. Patrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening.